0: Hey, welcome back to Mustard Seed Bible Study Series. Um, we have a, just an awesome one here in store today in that of Jonah chapter two. Uh, this is the chapter that holds the pinnacle verse that if you've been following along, I, I, I'm sure you've heard several times from me already, uh, but I'll say it again and I'll continue to say it. Salvation belongs to the Lord. And so with that, right, th- that is the grandest utterance that a man can ever make salvation right salvation it's like that aha eureka salvation as the the, the spirit reveals to a person uh the great and glorious uh, news of christ jesus and and the salvation belongs to him salvation belongs to the lord and i mean this i mean this is real uh, as calvin actually i think it was spurgeon may note uh, he said this is this is old fashioned calvinistic doctrine right here uh, this is man this is spoken of centuries before calvin was born centuries before paul was born right this, here's the reality the world does not like that doctrine does not like the the, the doctrine of salvation belongs to the lord uh, there are many who profess even to be Christians that, that do not like it. Uh, they say that, that salvation is man's will, that it is man's free will. Right? Salvation is, is of works of the law. Salvation is of rites and ceremonies, so on and so forth. It goes on and on and on and on and on. But dear listener, I hope uh, you along with me and along with Jonah uh, emphatically say, salvation is of the Lord. Salvation belongs to the Lord, and he works it from the beginning to the end, and therefore uh, he, he alone must have all praise for it forever and ever and ever. Amen. So let's jump right in here. Uh, I'll go ahead and read for you here today these 10 verses of chapter 2, and and we'll dive in. Well, again this is there's so much here and i want to try to condense it into just this one lesson uh but there's uh, i think there's enough here for uh for for many lifetimes uh for for actually for eternity and i think uh, when we look at the holy scriptures and uh, as we uh, continue to study, and, and perhaps when you go back and you study another pa- the same passage you have studied before, and yet you know the Spirit continues to, to to draw things out and bring to your mind and, and the glories of Christ through a passage you've read or studied so many times, uh, that just gives bears testament to to. The word being living and active, uh, the word never returning void, and uh, and just knowing there that this is this is uh, this is penned, this is inspired by God Himself, the infinite God, and therefore we can just marvel in His His word for all of eternity. And so, without further ado, Jonah chapter two, verse one: When Jonah prayed to the Lord his God from the belly of the fish, saying. I called out to the Lord, out of my distress, and he answered me. Out of the belly of Sheol I cried, and you heard my voice. For you cast me into the deep, into the heart of the seas, and the flood surrounded me. All your waves and your billows passed over me. Then I said, I am driven away from your sight, yet I shall again look upon your holy temple. The waters closed in over me to take my life. But I, with the voice of thanksgiving, will sacrifice to you what I have vowed I will pay. Salvation belongs to the Lord. And the Lord spoke to the fish and vomited Jonah out upon the dry land. Heavenly Father, uh, wash us with your word today. But may your spirit be with us, uh, guiding us, illuminating the truths Father, may Your Spirit press upon our hearts uh, the the magnificence of of Your sovereign decree, Your providence, in knowing that that all those who are Yours, uh, You keep and You You bring to completion. Father, may we rest uh, in that hope that is without uncertainty. I pray this in Christ's name, Amen. A hope without uncertainty. That's the. The title that I placed upon this lesson, and uh, three parts here: sovereign mercy. Second part, covenant faithfulness, and then we'll look at preserving grace. So, sovereign mercy, covenant faithfulness, and preserving grace. So, here in this first two verses, we see uh, just that—that that, that sovereign mercy. It says, then Jonah prayed to the Lord, his God. And I just make note of that right there. He says his God in that of you know, Jonah understands that even in his uh, dire circumstance, even in his rebellion, uh, that the Lord is still his God. It says here that he's he's praying from the belly of the fish. And as we remember last lesson there, at the end of verse, or end, I'm sorry, chapter one, that uh, the the mariners they picked up Jonah and they tossed him into the tempestuous sea. The sea calmed. Uh, the fish swallowed up Jonah. And also, I want to kind of make a note on this here too. When it comes to the fish in and of itself, and sometimes we can think of the, the fish still being a, a judgment that is brought upon brought upon. Um, the prophet Jonah here, but the fish itself is not judgment. The fish is the instrument of salvation here that the Lord is using to, to, to preserve, to restore his servant Jonah. And so here in the first two verses, uh, we see here recognition of divine sovereignty from Jonah. Jonah acknowledges God's sovereignty, even in his dire circumstance. Right. dearly beloved is it not is it not he who leaves the 99 and he, and he goes and he 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 rescues and brings back that wandering sheep All Right? is it not he who leads you from the tempestuous storms and brings you to greener pasture he leads you by still waters is it not he who restores your soul is it the holy spirit whom recalls to your heart and mind that this sanctuary of God, your refuge in times of of despair and times of difficulty, uh, just take a hold of what I'm about to say here and just find solace in it. And that is in those times of of contemplating sin or maybe being in sin or thinking about committing a sin and you're reminded inside your, your, your being of the sanctuary, your refuge of Christ, the one who's, who, who, who took upon himself the weight of your sin, the punishment for your sin. that recall to your mind who it is that is your God, as Jonah here prays out uh, to the Lord his God. That, that recall to your mind, it may seem like a, a sudden impulse, but uh, really upon closer examination is not sudden at all. In fact, it was, God who, it was God who placed it into your mind. He, he, through the spirit here, directing your thoughts, leading you into the sanctuary and consequently restoring your soul. So it is here with Jonah. Uh, there's an astonishing realization here with that. Uh, when those times occur, Uh, just grab hold and take solace, as I said, that you're still in God's presence. God still watches over you. He cares deeply for you, despite what you have just done or nearly did. The fact of the matter is you are continually with him. He is continually with you. And so despite Jonah's rebellion, God here, he takes the, the initiative to, to rescue him because he it belongs to him. Jonah belongs to the Lord. And so he's, he's going to rescue him. We see here verse 3 and 4. Uh, the surrender here to God's sovereignty. Jonah here surrenders himself to the sovereignty of God, uh, trusting in in his mercy through repentance and prayer here. Jonah submits to God's will, recognizing his dependence on God's grace for deliverance. And Jonah here, as we see here in these first four verses, he knew the Psalms. Jonah knew the Psalms. He is washed with the word, and he and from the belly of the fish. Jonah did not have a a scroll of the Psalms in which he pulled out of his back pocket and began to 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 pray the Psalms. No, they're part of his his being. Jonah's one who who bleeds Bibline, right? He he it oozes out of him in his prayers here. The the word of God. Listen to Psalm 18, verse 6. In my distress, I called upon the Lord. To my God, I cried for help. From his temple, he heard my voice and my cry to him reached his ears. Psalm 42, 7. Deep calls to deep. At the roar of your waterfalls, all your breakers and your waves have gone over me. Psalm thirty-one, twenty-two: I had said in my alarm, "I am cut off from your sight," but you heard the voice of my pleas for mercy when I cried to you for help. I mean, is this not reminiscent of these first four verses? Jonah here, he he knew the Psalms. I think there's a, there's a decent argument here that really every single verse of of this prayer. Has uh, uh, nuances of of a a psalm, and and so the first four, I'm sorry, four verses here is is blatant, apparent that he knew the psalms. He rested on the word of God here, and so Jonah's assurance here of of restoration it it stems from his understanding of. God's unchanging character and promise, right? Look at, it says in verse four, when I said, I am driven away from your sight, yet I shall again look upon your holy temple. This is a man that is uh, just gripped with a hope that is without uncertainty. And that certainty hinges upon God's unchanging character in his unchanging promises. You who are in Christ can have assurance of salvation that is not based upon yourself, but solely upon the trustworthiness of God's word, solely upon the finished work of Christ on the cross. Jonah's confidence in seeing God's holy temple again, it reflects his trust in God's faithfulness and that faithfulness to fulfill his promises despite his own failures. Recall Romans chapter five, verse nine. It says, since therefore, we have now been justified by his blood, how much more shall we be saved by him from the wrath of God? Romans eight thirty two. He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up, for us all, how will he not also with him graciously give all things? Let's just implore logic to those statements. These are statements that go from the greater to the lesser. Right? We have been now justified by his blood. Right? The father giving his son, the son pouring out his blood Dying a sinner's death upon the cross. That gift of the the perfect, inerrant word, or uh, Lamb of God, I'm sorry, that, that is, was offered up as a once and for all sacrifice. That is the greater when it comes to these proclamations. Christ being the greater. And then he goes on to say in verse 9 of Romans 5 how much more will we be saved from the wrath of God? What's greater? What is greater, the gift of the Son or eternal life? Well, the gift of the Son is greater. He, he, Christ outweighs everything. So if the Father is willing to give His Son which is the greater of the promise, how much more will he, he save you from the wrath of God? That, that how much more will he give you eternal life? If he's willing to give you the greater Christ Jesus, will he not give you the lesser eternal life? So we see here, just by a simple logic here, you know, that you know, we have this great assurance in in all of God's promises to His people, and because He's He's fulfilled the greatest promise, and that of sending the Messiah, the Savior of the world. So He surely will will give you all things, and that of giving you all the promises that that He has proclaimed to you, and and that of eternal life, that of the resurrection, um, that of being uh, glorified and, 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 and sanctified and, and justified. I mean, all these things that, that come from the greater, which is the sacrifice of Christ. And so we see here the, the sovereign mercy of God. I take note there in verse 3. Look how it starts. For you cast me into the deep, into the heart of the sea, We talk about uh, last episode or this episode before. I I can't recall. But God and his providence using uh, second causes. right? And and this is a a prime example here. Uh, We read from chapter one, it is the mariners who picked up Jonah and, and tossed him into the tempestuous sea. But here, Jonah is understanding God's sovereignty and the providence of God, he's accrediting this to God himself. He's saying, For you cast me into the deep. It is you through your your providential hand brought me to this place of humility. And as we see that there's this, this repentance of of Jonah, this restoration of Jonah, and and Jonah accrediting all these situations these secondary causes to the providence of God and we see it there just so so clear and so plainly in verse 3 as he says you cast me into the deep and and so moving on here the, these next three verses here 5 6 and 7 uh, we have covenant faithfulness covenant faithfulness the remembrance of of God's covenant Jonah recalls God's covenantal promises and faithfulness to his people. Despite Jonah's disobedience here, God continues and remains faithful, steadfast faithfulness to his covenant, extending grace and mercy. All right, that covenant of grace, that covenant of grace that was proclaimed in the garden back in Genesis 2, verse 17 that first uh, first time that we see that 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 euangelion uh, the good news the proto evangelion in and that of uh, the lord himself proclaiming that gospel to to satan proclaiming it to to the ears of adam as well and that of the offspring that'll come, that Satan will, will bruise his heel, but he will crush the head of the serpent. This proclamation of, of ultimate deliverance, this uh, the covenant of grace, that covenant of grace that, that continues forth and extends uh, to, to all people, every nation, tribe, and tongue, that has come to the fullest revelation of it through Christ Jesus. And so here, Jonah, uh, looking forward to the Messiah, clinging to the promise, clinging to the covenantal uh, faithfulness of God. As we look back uh, to Christ, Jonah is looking forward to the Messiah. And so through God's steadfast love and faithfulness, Jonah finds assurance of deliverance from the depths of despair here. He says here, look here in verse seven, when my life was fainting away, he says, I remembered the Lord. And my prayer came to you into your holy temple. I mean, this is a, Jonah expressing confidence in God's salvation again that 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 salvation that is that is rooted and grounded in his covenant faithfulness and through this here Jonah finds and, and clings to the assurance that he has in not himself but the steadfast love and faithfulness of God even in this moment where it says his life was fainting away, just on the brink of death. So near to death, right? he says in verse 6, I went down to the land whose bars closed upon me forever. I mean, this is just strong language of, of being imprisoned by death. So close, encaged, encapsulated by death. Jonah's reminded of the, the constant and continuous presence of god the access to god's presence and despite jonah's physical confinement within the fish his his prayer reaches god's holy temple this illustrates for us the accessibility of god's presence to those who call upon him in faith no matter how dire our circumstance may be and no matter how astronomical it may seem We can find assurance in the knowledge that God hears our prayers and is present with us, even even in the depths of our despair. Our God continues to remain faithful. So we see here in verse 8, Jonah says, Those who pay regard to vain idols forsake their hope of steadfast love. This is a recognition here of true worship. So then can, in the depths of his despair Jonah comes to a place of surrender and submission before God. He acknowledges the, the futility of, of of trusting in his own strength and in his own wisdom, recognizing God's sovereignty over all of creation. In humility here Jonah submits to God's plan, submits to his purposes, committing himself to obedience and, and to worship. As he says here with uh, the voice of thanksgiving, he says, I will sacrifice to you what I have vowed, I will pay. Salvation belongs to the Lord this His prayer here served as a powerful reminder that true perseverance is found in surrendering to god's will and trusting in his unfailing love and grace. Here Jonah acknowledges uh, the futility of of false gods and human pride uh, he's he's saying here resisting god is is likened to idolatry and and then goes on to 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 proclaim that true worship is grounded in recognizing God's sovereignty, as he says there. Uh, those who forsake the hope of steadfast love—that's God's sovereignty. There, it's steadfast; it remains unshakable. And so, so what other response would there be other than? To, to To praise loud, a voice of thanksgiving, and in proclaiming, I will sacrifice to you. This is Jonah um, coming to to a re- repentant heart here. Jonah he vows to to fulfill his vow to the Lord, uh, committing to obedience and service. And so, when we look at that, of you know, what, what was this vow? What was this vow here that Jonah proclaimed? uh, to the Lord and, and, and him kind of renewing this vow here and say, I I will, I will pay it. Well, it doesn't say specifically what it is, uh, but I don't like to, to approach scripture with assumptions, but I think in this case, I think we can make a, a very good assumption on what that vow was because I think most, most of you listeners, uh, can can testify to what I'm about to say, and that is, uh, one who comes to saving faith. This typically can can come very in that exact moment or or very shortly thereafter, and that of making this proclamation to God, in that of whatever you whatever you have me do, I, I am yours. I belong to you, God. Whatever you have me do, uh, I, I am ready. I am willing. Uh, send me, Lord. And so uh, it may not sound exactly like that, but something to that, to that degree is, is very common, very typical to, to come forth out of the mouth of uh, a born-again believer. And so here with Jonah, did Jonah make that proclamation at some point in his life? Uh, probably so. And then we've seen here at the beginning of the book of Jonah, the Lord calling upon him, uh, and that of to, to go to, to Nineveh and preach to that, to that city and him fleeing from that, right? and, and him fleeing from the vow in which he, he proclaimed and that of being this willing vessel to the Lord. And so we see here this, this repentance, this experience of God's redemptive renewal, transforming here Jonah's heart, his actions. In this final verse here of Jonah's prayer, we find uh, a profound declaration of God's sovereignty and power where he says, and the Lord spoke to the fish and it vomited Jonah out upon the dry land. This miraculous deliverance, it serves as a testament to God's sovereignty over all creation and his ability to rescue his people from even the most dire circumstances. And we see, as we'll see, more here in the next lesson. But this vomiting out of Jonah by this great fish, it wasn't like a, a cannon that shot him to the the uh, the walls of, of Nineveh and he was just instantly there. As we'll see next lesson, it was some... 375 miles from the coast to Nineveh, this newly renewed heart of Jonah, ready to to make that trek to Nineveh. And so in conclusion here, as we reflect on Jonah's prayer from, from the depths, we're reminded of the ultimate example of perseverance that is found in Christ Jesus. So just as Jonah emerged from the belly of the the great fish, so too did Christ emerge from the depths of the grave, victorious over sin and death. So it is in Christ we find the perfect embodiment of perseverance. The one who endured the cross, despising its shame for the joy that was set before him. In light of Christ's sacrifice, Uh, may we grasp hold of the assurance of knowing that our King has gone before us. May we trust in God's sovereignty and grace to sustain us through the storms of life. And may we echo the words of the psalmist of Psalm 40, verse one, where he says, I await patiently for the Lord. He inclined me and heard my cry. So dear Christian, and cling to the hope, cling to the hope found in Christ, that hope is without uncertainty, knowing that he is our anchor and our deliverer. May his grace be with us all.